Good evening. Welcome to the Nina Factory Library Poetry Writing Workshop. Today we're doing Mrs. Boyfriend Boys. Uh, our instructor, Clarinda Harris, is Professor Emerita of English at the Boston University, where she taught poetry, served as department chair, and is the advisor to Towson's award-winning literary and arts magazine called Rub Street, which I'm sure has an interesting yeah, history it does. behind the name. She also directs Brickhouse Books, as you can see from the cards she gave you, which is Maryland's oldest literary press. And the City Lit Project established the Harris Poetry Prize and Chapel Competition in her honor. One of her primary research interests lately is writing for prison inmates, and she has worked with incarcerated writers for many years. And her most recent collections included Air Travel, Mortmain, and Dirty Blue Voice. But tonight, she's here to join you in reading and writing poems that make strong use of sounds to carry the meaning, either poems that tell the tale, rhythms that tell the tale, and words, luscious, funny, and even ugly. Please welcome Clarinda Harris. Thank you. That was a great introduction. Thank you all for being here. I feel very diffident because I'm looking around and I see so many people that I know are really good poets. And so, I'm, you know, when I was coming here tonight, I thought, because I knew a few of the people that were coming, I thought, what can I possibly give these people? But what this event does is give us each other. And I think that's what a workshop is about. And so if I get to talking too much, uh, I wouldn't be offended if somebody who really knew me, like Gig or Carlene, just said, or Tim, um, you know, make the uh, shut up noise, and I would be fine with that. I'm going to try not to do it. We've got a lot of stuff that illustrates what I meant. And thank you, by the way, Lisa, for that great introduction. Um, I, I, I really, I love the phrase, make a joyful noise. But there are a lot of other kinds of noises that poems can make, as you know. And they're important noises, too. There's also the whole sense of musical experience, whether you're a, a listener or whether you're a performer or whether it's just something that happens to you accidentally. So we're going to investigate some poems that make use of sound to do those things. And the where I'm coming from and the reason why I wanted to do this one first is that from having taught for 50 years, I have been so sadly aware that what had always been for thousands of years an oral tradition, an oral art, something that you felt with your mouth and your voice and your body and, of course, your mind and, of course, your... Um, you know, your intellect, but the poetry is something that's vocal and vibrant and not to be flattened onto a page and regarded as an academic exercise. I feel so strongly about that. And uh, so I thought, well, why not start with sounds? Because to me, a poem makes a sound, and if it doesn't, um, it makes me a little nervous to call it a poem. I make some exceptions for something known as, and you uh, don't, uh, just excuse me if I assume that not everybody knows every single thing. And if I, if I seem to be too elementary or talking down, just, just bear with me because, you know, I don't know every single person in the room. Um, there's an element of, po there's a kind of poetry called concrete poetry, which is the opposite of what I'm talking about with you all tonight, 
I'm almost going to like do like that. One of my favorite concrete poems, though, goes like this, and it is in German, but you will understand it perfectly. The poem is called... Uh, oh, oh, I spelled it wrong. Uh, and it goes like this. It doesn't really have a stem, but I'm going to put one on anyway because I think it should. But you see, um, I mean, it, you, you don't speak German, I imagine most of you, but you can read that perfectly well. And yes, its little joke is the worm in the middle of the apple, and it's a joke that you get with your eyes. And um, and I'm all about. I mean, I'm all for that. Whatever. I mean, I think it's a fun thing. But to me, I still want to read it aloud and say apple, 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 boom, apple, apple. You know. I mean, to me, a poem is supposed to make a sound. I can't help it. That's why I stopped using ampersands to mean and, because and has a sound. In fact, it's got a crunchy couple of consonants in it. They make a noise. I'm going to say it out loud, so why not have it that way on the page? So I'm, I'm really kind of crazed on the subject of poems making a sound, but also illustrating craziness, which I regard as a useful work tool for any writer. I think some of you might agree there because you have to realize, keep your day job, you have to be crazy to be obsessed enough to really do it with passion. But hey, obsession and craziness I regard as useful tools. I wanted to start with a poem that is not only uh, filled with ugly sounds, but it's also extremely popular, I think, for that very reason. And that's Sylvia Plath's famous poem, Daddy. And because I'm selfish and having a good time, I'm just going to read it myself. Most of the reading, I hope, will be from you, but I love reading this awful poem. I mean, it's awful in the best sense. You know, like when God is described as awful in early translations of the Bible, the King James Version, and they don't mean he's like a rotten geezer. I mean, they mean he is awesome. And I think this is an awesome poem, but shouldn't be sent on Father's Day. And my apologies to people who are all too familiar with this. Daddy. You do not do, you do not do any more black shoe in which I have lived like a foot for 30 years, poor and white, barely daring to breathe or achoo. Daddy, I have had to kill you. You died before I had time. Marble heavy, a bag full of God. Ghastly statue with one gray toe, big as a Frisco seal. And a head in the freakish Atlantic, where it pours bean green over blue in the waters off beautiful Nosset. I used to pray to recover you. Ach, du. In the German tongue, in the Polish town, scraped flat by the roller of wars, wars, wars. But the name of the town is common. My Polak friend says there are a dozen or two. So I could never tell where you put your foot, your root. I never could talk to you. The tongue stuck in my jaw. It's stuck in a barbed wire snare. Ich, 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 ich. I could hardly speak. I thought every German was you and the language obscene. An engine, an engine, chuffing me off like a Jew, a Jew to Dachau, Auschwitz, Belsen. 
I began to talk like a Jew. I think I may well be a Jew. The snows of the Tyrol, the clear beer of Vienna, are not very pure or true. With my gypsy ancestor and my weird luck and my tarot pack and my tarot pack, I may be a bit of a Jew. I have always been scared of you, with your Luftwaffe, your gobbledygoo, and your neat mustache and your Aryan eye, bright blue. Panzerman, Panzerman, oh you, not God but a swastika, so black no sky could squeak through. Every woman adores a fascist. The boot in the face, the brute, brute heart of a brute like you. You stand at the blackboard, Daddy, in the picture I have of you, a cleft in your chin instead of your foot. But no less a devil for that, no, not any less the black man who bit my pretty red heart in two. I was ten when they buried you. At twenty I tried to die and get back, back, back to you. I thought even the bones would do. But they pulled me out of the sack and they stuck me together with glue and then I knew what to do. I made a model of you, a man in black with a Mein Kampf look and a love of the rack and the screw. And I said, I do, I do. So, Daddy, I'm finally through. The black telephone's off at the root. The voices just can't worm through. If I've killed one man, I've killed two. The vampire who said he was you and drank my blood for a year, seven years, if you want to know. Daddy... You can lie back now. There's a stake in your fat black heart, and the villagers never liked you. They are dancing and stamping on you. They always knew it was you. Daddy, daddy, you bastard, I'm through. Now, what are the sounds that dominate that poem? Think, look back, think about some of the, just look back at it and think of any voice reading it. Starting off, you do not do. I've had to kill you. Ach, do. <coughs> Dozen or two. Never could tell where you. Thought every German was you. Chuffing me off like a Jew. Hmm. Brute, brute heart of a brute like you. In the picture I have of you, the man who bit my pretty red heart in two. Do you notice there's a lot of ew sounds there? Now, let us for a moment, um, by the way, um, I, I guess it would help if you're not familiar with this poem just to translate some of the very ordinary World War II uh, German words that are here. Ach du just means oh you but it, it still has that ooh sound. Anybody know what a, what a panzer man would be? What were the, do you, does anybody know what the panzer division was? Huh? Yeah, it's, um, it was the tank division in World War II. And um, you can see, I think, that throughout the poem, she's calling her dead father a Nazi. She was calling her dead father a Nazi. And so that's where it comes from. Uh, does anybody know what the Luftwaffe was? The right, the German Air Force. And um, you'll notice that there's some vampire lore grafted onto it, too. Now, the background on the poem is a little bit biographical. It helps uh, just to, to deal with it briefly. She uh, committed suicide at the age of 30. She uh, was... Her father died when she was 10. Apparently, he was kind of a 
a rigorous uh, Germanic kind of scary guy, uh, but he was a teacher, so that's why the picture at the blackboard, he was very handsome. And he had a big old dimple in his chin, kind of a Kirk Douglas family type dimple, and, uh, but she talks about a cleft in his foot. Who else has cleft feet? The devil, sure. So, yeah, so a lot of lore is, is based in here. But I think one of the reasons why she picked, um, oh, and by the way, she died, she, commit, she committed suicide in the very early 60s. And when she was a little kid, the Rosenberg, uh, Ethel and Julius Rosenberg were executed for treason. So that thing of, of on a much more personal level, all, the, all people who were little kids at the time living in a place like even Baltimore thought, wait a minute, they can come get your parents? and march them off to the gas chamber? That's not good. You know, all little kids, and I was one of them, were very scared when the Rosenbergs were executed. It didn't seem right. They were just these middle-class people, it seemed, to kids like me who were executed. So there's a lot of that going on here. But I think all of it comes to focus on the sound, ooh. Now, for a minute, folks, let us contemplate ooh. Let's just think about ooh. It's both ooh and ew here. Mm-hmm. Now let's contemplate ew. Nobody needs to translate. I mean, we're all, we all speak English in here, right? Nobody has to translate ew for us, do they? I mean, ew is just, I, I, I don't know enough about other languages to say this, but I just assume, perhaps quite wrongly, that ew, ew, with a certain emphasis, always is a sound of disapproval and disgust, right? Like, ew. I even worry, yeah, it's just nasty. How do you spell ew? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how the, the I'm learning from the cartoons, that's, that's the good way to spell it. I've even tried to make it longer, like ew, and this, but, but it's basically E-W-W. We, we know what we're looking at when we see E-W-W, but we also know how to pronounce it, and we know uh, it doesn't mean anything good. Like, if somebody came up to you and said, Ew, your shoes, you would know you had dog poo on them, right? I mean, it would definitely not say, oh, I love those, those really wonderful shoes of yours. But then think how close it is to ooh. Let's contemplate ooh for a minute. Think of some uses that you may have, may have made recently of ooh. When, the, when do we hear whole crowds saying ooh? Yeah, when they're in awe. I mean, the, 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 the great firework, the best one of the whole night goes up. And it's a collective, ooh. Yes, ma'am. I was going to say that I find uh, recalling the children make that type of yeah. uh, inflection yeah. spontaneously. Yeah, Not yeah. Not the meaning, but the feeling. Right. And, and usually it's accompanied with breath and body language. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of our, our treasured heritage as people, people who speak a language. It seems to, to really work for us. And after we go around here and introduce ourselves and think for a little bit about even some of the connotations of the sounds of our own names, um, I want to come back to the idea of sounds that we think of as having actual verbalizable meaning. Ew is, you know, you could find it in a dictionary, sound made for disgust. Um, Ooh, sound made for awe or delight or amazement. 
and yet they're very close to one another. Your parents had something up. They were up to something when they named us. So let's talk about that for a second. Tim, I already know your name. Can't help it. I know your name. So I, yeah. So is your name Timothy? Sure. Yeah. And I'm Irish, so you can call me late for supper. <laughs> you're Irish, so you're irrepressible. Okay, so what were you going to say? Well, um, I've forgotten what little I know of her academic background, but is all of what you're pointing out something that she consciously worked on? Yeah, I, I, she's, she's talked enough about her own work so that I really can say yes to that. Yeah, but the other thing that's really weird about this is she wrote it, she, when she married Ted Hughes, who is the other, she, he's the bad, bad vampire in the poem, and he must have been quite a rotter because, let me tell you, not only Sylvia Plath killed herself, but his second wife killed herself too. But, but he's a wonderful poet. I mean, I hate to say it, but he's, he's a wonderful poet. But he was English, and so she taught, she, she was commissioned, not commissioned, because I don't think she got paid, but she was asked to do a bunch of, uh, write a bunch of poems specifically for British broadcasting. And this was one of them. And she regards this as comic. And it sort of is. That's what's so awful about it. It's so cruel. And it's kind of funny, too, which I think makes it much worse. But uh, she, was, uh, she went to Smith College on scholarship, and she taught there as well. And she is reading on... You can, she's, her reading on YouTube is being featured this week um, because I guess this is the start of National Poetry Week. Yes, ma'am. The, the first two paragraphs, the first one, mm-hmm. is, what is she saying here? Um, you do not do, you do not do. Well, talks about his shoe all the time. What's it, what's it, what's that's it? really, what do you think? I mean, seriously, there's shoes tromping around in this poem a lot. She talks about his shoe. And because usually poetry is just another way of saying something and getting the reader to think and yeah. you know yeah. making a message or whatever. But these this, this first two paragraphs, I can't understand what she's saying. Well, we can address. You've got two questions going on, and why are there so many shoes in this poem? Which I think is a great question and very very important to the poem. But just look at that first one. Think of calling somebody, calling yourself. I'm a foot, and I've lived inside you like, like you were a shoe. Okay, this is April the, fir- April the 4th, I, right? In which I have lived like a foot for 30 years, poor and white. Yeah. Think about, think about it. What does a shoe do to a foot? It, it, it encases, it protects. Yeah. It protects, it for encases, sure. It encloses. Does any, is anybody, I, I had to remind myself when, when I saw you all coming in to put my shoes back on, I personally would rather not wear shoes because I have these big, ungainly, bony feet. And so they can also be uncomfortable, right? They can be constrictive. And think of a father. He's protective. He's also constrictive. Does anybody but me look with horror when they first, it's April, you've got to get, those boots back in the closet until next year because it's too hot. And then you look at your feet. And they still are all 
you know, kind of shrunk up and sad looking and the toes are all bent looking. I mean, mine are. I'm sorry, but they are. They're even a funny color. I mean, uh, and um, so, I mean, this does actually speak to me because of the way I feel about shoes, but it works both ways. But then there's shoes all over the palm. Anybody want to comment on that? Oh, I'm sorry. You had something else to say. Oh, no. It's just about the shoes. Yeah. Uh, even, like, her bringing up Nazis a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, um, I remember my uh, dad talking about, like, his, his mom would talk about the boots, like, marching yeah. down the street. Yeah, sure. Like, the, the thought of Nazis and Nazi boots and, like, war and... Just like exactly. Like, sort of right, and it's very rhythmic, and that's part of what we're thinking about today. There's a lot of marching going on in this, and it's that scary marching. Think of film footage. Uh, you know, think of those uh, goose-stepping uh, Nazis, which just show off their boots to great advantage. The boot in the face. Yeah, the boot in the face. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic because whether you want to or not. Yeah, yeah. And then right. there's um, like an air of suffocation because she says she's lived in the shoe for 30 years. Yeah. She don't keep shoes for 30 years. No. Constrained. And <laughs> right, that, that gives me cramps just to think about it. Yeah. 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 Right, and he's dead, you know. And psychologists love this poem because they have pointed out that as unfair as she's being to her dead daddy here, kids who never got a chance to go through an adolescent rebellion are kind of mad at the parent for bumping them, you know? It's, it's desertion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's awfully menacing. But I think it all goes back to two noises they both represent disgust to us. Ew and the other one, the secondary one. She has such a good time with it. Do you know what ICH means? I'll get to you in a second. Uh, I. Yeah, in fact, Henry Mencken, who has a room of his own up above us here, once said that the only reason, although he was German, the reason he refused to learn German over there in West Baltimore where he lived was because he wouldn't speak any language where the word for I was ich. You know? And it, it also, the way she uses it, of course, she makes it a, a sound of disgust too. Although I maintain if she talks about her her tongue stuck in a barbed wire snare. And if you hold on to your own tongue and then try to say something, <coughs> I mean, it's pretty much like that. But, Tim, what were you going to say? And then we've got to hear do the name said, game. Uh, uh, that she wrote this, she was commissioned to write for the BBC, and that she regarded it as comic. Uh, I've read Sylvia Plath since the 60s. Yeah. I mean, I remember the newspaper story. I wasn't that Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. I wasn't that young either, I don't care. I, I've never seen it. Oh, you've never seen Daddy? I've never seen this. This is actually I her... I throw this in my father's face, but I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, poor Daddy. Oh, but no, it's... No, um, this is one of her most um, popular poems. And I remember thinking... And I adored my own Daddy, but, but that last I line... I, I wrote a poem like this about my mother. Oh, you know, it was like so liberating. Um, you had well. I'm glad because. Has it not been published that much? Yes, it was. It's been published a lot, and it's also it's part of that last collection that she wrote just before she killed herself. And when did she kill? Why did she kill herself? Well, it's hard to. I mean, who knows? But she um, she killed herself in the uh, early 1960s, and she was 30, and she had just discovered that Ted was 
cheating on her and planning to leave her. Uh, Ted was Ted Hughes was her husband, and the father of her two children, who are alive and well. It's okay, but uh, the second wife also killed the children. But it's yeah, people. It's. It's a horror story, actually, but she did intend this to be funny, and I think that's why it risks all this noise. Are you Anne? Yeah. Did I? Yeah. Um, it's just interesting that the German word, like the familiar form of you, is do, mm-hmm. and it's so implied in this poem, and yet she never. Only once. She uses it once. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and also the pa- the pun on that with you do not do, and also I know the syntax may bother people there, but have you you've heard people of a certain age say, well that just won't do, oh, okay. that kind of but you do is, not but, do. But still, what is she saying? You do not do. do like, is, she, is she acknowledging that he's dead? Could be because it's not just that he won't do in the sense he's he's not, you know. Appropriate, but yeah, he he doesn't do anything anymore. He's dead. You know, I don't think that. I mean, I think that's certainly a possibility, and I don't presume to be somebody who can actually speak for Sylvia Plath. But I think that's a very good interpretation. It's, I, I like how it's, it's an ironic term. She yeah. says, I've had to kill you, but then she switches up and says, you died before I had yeah. time. Yes, yeah, but um, she's resentful that he died. So mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and um, Freud had a lot to say about that, you know, uh, with kids of fathers who have died before adolescent rebellion could even really happen. So, yeah, that's why, that's why psychiatrists love this poem. I like it because of the noise it makes, and, uh, and I think that if she hadn't allowed herself to think, I'm going to write a funny poem, I mean, you don't think it's funny, I don't think it's funny, exactly, but I think it gave her permission to make all this just volley of noise. And... Uh, even the fact that she was able to drag in some Nazi lore. And notice she's got some vampire lore, too. I've always thought maybe this... Yeah, that was, that was that the man she made... Um, she made a model of her dad, and that was Ted Hughes. Yeah. I even think... See what you think about this. I kind of think that this poem itself is the stake through the heart, you know? Now you're really dead, you bastard. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's just my, my way of reading it. It's huh? almost like the ultimate yeah. of endings. Are you, is this an example of where we can maybe apply ourselves as far as our poetry is concerned? Absolutely, because what... Uh, I want to talk about the, the poets that, are, that all of your parents are or were when they named you and that'll be also a good way of looking at, you know, listening to people's names. But then I definitely want to suggest right after that that people pick a sound that actually does resonate with them and just write a few lines or a few sentences doing that. And then we'll look at the way some other of the masters have done it and then some of the people that are 
not masters at all, have also tried to do that. But for now, let's, let's go around and talk about names. And just tell, tell us your name, but also if you have any associations with your name or if you have any knowledge of how your name works, you know, the sound it makes, how people respond to it. What do you think your parents were thinking when they named you that? Okay. I'll, I'll, the only reason I'm going to start is because it may be clear what I mean. My name is Clorinda. I did not realize until long after my father was dead that I was named for, he, he was a Scot, and he liked the Scottish poet Bobby Burns, Robert Burns. And Clorinda was the name that Robert Burns in the 18th century gave all his girlfriends when he wrote poems about them. Not just one girlfriend, but all of them he called Clorinda. But the main Clorinda, I hope nobody in here is named Agnes, but the main Clorinda was named Agnes. And you've got to admit, it doesn't do it for poetry. Do you think? I, I, yeah, he must not have thought so. But anyway, that's why I was named Clorinda. But I will say that a student of mine who was... Um, she was trying to fix me up with her, her father, actually, you know, when I was single. And she was trying to fix me up with her father. And he, she, she told him my name. And he said, Clorinda, that sounds like a rodeo whore. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But it was a whole different take. So anyway, that's my whole name story. So I'm Clorinda, and you are, let's start this way. You're, yeah. I am Latanya. Mm. You've got a lot of wonderful associations. It will not. We definitely will call you Latanya, not Latoya, for sure. Wasn't Latona? Wasn't there also a Greek goddess named Latona who was the god, the goddess of mothering in the terms of mother's milk? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That I think that you're right. That's the Roman. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's the Greek one. Excellent. Nurturing, caring, yeah. And I said, you know, take, uh, like one of the women, like one of the women at birth, she said, yeah, she's the office mom. And yeah. they meant that in a good in way. In a good way. Because always make sure everybody's taken care yeah. of. Yeah. Good. That's great associations. My and you? Leon. Leon. Hello, Leon. And do you have any associations you want to share with us? Otherwise, we'll just remember. This is Leon, right? There you have it. Okay. Okay. Does I think it has something to do with a lion, though, doesn't it? I think. 
I mean, I, I'm thinking Leo. Hmm. We better we better Google that, folks. But yeah, okay, Leon. Hi, and you are. I'm sorry. Also short for Leroy, a short contracted form of Leroy the King. I don't. You know, I actually. Um, could be. Could be. I got a nice website called Behind the Name where you can. Yeah, I think I think it's. Anyway, anyway, it's a good name. It's got a lot of associations for all of us. Okay, and you're... Yvette. I'm sorry, say again. Yvette. Yvette. Oh. Are you an Yvette with an E or a Y? Y. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah, but it's a beautiful French name. I know an Yvette with an E, and I just... I, I wish I... I want to talk her into substituting a Y. It's just... It's a beautiful name, Yvette. Carl. Mm, that's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, okay, Carlene named for Father Carl, right? Great. Okay, and you're Robin? I'm yeah. Robin, but um, birth wise, I was Elizabeth Robinette, and uh, I was named for my mother's college roommate in Hood. And uh, she, uh, Elizabeth Robinette was called Busy. And I'm called Robin because Mother liked the name Robin, but I'm much uh, more comfortable hearing Robin. Yeah. And I like the nature and that birds tremendously, yeah. so it's outdoors. Is, I'm Neat. I'm part of that, the wild, those wild things. Excellent. Excellent. So do you have any theories about Rob, why robins this spring are like crazy bold? I mean, you can walk right up to one and say, hi. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Nice. Okay, and you are? Well, my name's Akko, A-K-O. Um, it's one of the shortest African names I know, that and Ali. So growing up, I was just relieved my dad didn't give me one of those difficult Sixteen-year-old African things, and whenever I asked him what it meant, he always said, "Oh, it means the the achiever." And I always used to go, oh, "Man, that means I may have to go to the moon. I always have to be Yeah. And um, as a teenager, when I moved to the, to the Caribbean with my mom, because uh, my other maternal family is there, and I got very close to my maternal grandparents, and I realized ignorant hours of a lot of stuff. So going back to African vacation, I started getting close to my uh, paternal grandparents, and I finally learned from them what the name meant. It's kind of the same thing, but the answer they gave me was different, and I always prefer the answer. And my granddad always goes, oh, your name means he who, when he walks on stones, they break. I'm like, oh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah. So every time when I'm walking and I'm kind of like maybe a little bit down or a little bit scared or worried, I always have to tell my, myself, say, I can't remember you're the guy who walks on stone and then ring. Yeah, well. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Where in Africa? Uh, my dad is from Cameroon, Central oh, Africa. Fantastic. Wow. Uh, Ako. Uh, a lot better because I'm 
smart. I was just around this Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> West, West Africa, just everybody speaks five or six yeah. languages. That is amazing. Nine. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. It's just habit. I'm not smart. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> That, I, I mean, I, I wish I could say awesome without sounding like I'm trying to sound like a teenager, but I am truly awed. I mean, that is really awesome. Akko. Okay. Excellent. Okay. And? Yeah, isn't it? Ah. Uh huh. I got I got to look at it. Oh. Okay. Say it again. I'm taking dictation. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, now you've got me dying to know about it. It's so interesting. Yeah. Does it, do you like, or do you think your, your uh, well, actually, whoever named you, but do you think your parents liked the way it sounded with your last name? What's your last name? Tarot Swan. Right. It needed a two-syllable name, didn't it? Like Joe Swan, just, mm, yeah, Tarot. That's beautiful. Wow. And you are? I am Bob, and uh, my official name is Robert. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Did you, were you, did you have to find that out, or did you, were you told that, or did you have to pry it out? Well, there was always this picture in my room, since I couldn't remember, age two yeah. and three, of this uh, serviceman. Uh-huh. Wow, and so how old were you then? I think you may have just said, but I was... Something about maybe five. Uh, wow. Sure. I was really young. You must, that's, so that explained the picture. Really interesting. Yeah. Your father was in the house? Uh, my father was in the house. Um, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, you, you grew up with your dad. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. yeah that's what I mean. Yeah. 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 Was, uh, most of the time, he was in the service. He got stationed in... So have you lived all over, or did you live uh, all over? Just yeah. So you must have had a tremendous urge to correct my pronunciation of some of those German words in in Splath. <laughs> no, feel feel free, <laughs> really. Um, okay, so I'm just I'm just doing the old school teacher review thing, and I'm going to have them in the wrong order here. That's Leon. This is, next comes Yvette. Um, there's Carlene and Robin and um, Akko and Tarod and 
fob. Have I, um, how am I doing so far? Okay, okay, good. And then... Um, So you're all of them. That's good. Okay. Doesn't a very personal question occur to some of you? Did you at any point spell it with Ricky with an I and no E on it? No, I am R-I-C-K-I-E. Right. But did you just go, you didn't go through a stage at all where you were just R-I-C-K-I-E. We won't ask for a show of hands, but I bet there's more than one person in here who has tried spelling their name all different ways and maybe even dotted the I with a little circle. But, uh, you get over it. Yeah. Okay, and your gig, but that's not gigs. Real, I mean, gig. Tell them all your names. I love it. Well, not just consonants, but we can all, you know, do the poetry thing and point out that it's alliteration. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, did you just say, and I forgot to listen, though, where did gig come from? You know, um, the, the first day of college, somebody said, There it was. Right, so you have this doppelganger that follows you around. Excellent. Sorry. Yeah, interesting. Anne. Anne, Anne, Anne. No E. Also, you know, tons of Anne's in the family. 
turns out there's tons of Ann Quinns. Doesn't Anne Quinn sound like somebody that would have been married to Henry VIII? <laughs> Anne Quinn, ninth wife. It, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, that's so irrelevant. But um, I, can you imagine the name I most craved being named Clorinda, which was a curse? Anne. Really? And better not be even putting an E on there. You know, I wanted the simplest, most, I don't know, just sort of namey name. I, oh, so I... Uh, that was what I aspired to, yeah. So, tell us about Timothy. Uh, you first. Do you really not like Clorinda, or do you like it now? I, I'm okay with it now. You know, uh, I, I've been around it for a while. <laughs> uh, uh, 59, so one of the baby boom kids. Uh, second child, first blue-eyed baby, four boys, two girls. We're all Joseph uh, and Mary, but the boys Joseph and girls Mary. Uh, incest will get us a little bastard Jesus, the priest told us. <laughs> Son of a mother who was the daughter of a saloon keeper who would disappear for a week or ten days at a time, who married a man abandoned by his father during the Depression, whose shins were kicked bloody uh, by his mother. Uh, he was a running quarterback for Jesuit High School and a Marine Corps, where he got to play a lot of football after we dropped the bomb. Uh, the black shoes were always very, very polished, mm -hmm. unless they were brown. Mm, Tim, Timothy, Timmy, anything, I don't really care. Were you just describing your father? No. Uh, with the black shoes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's how I thought. Yes. We, uh, we just passed his uh, April Fool's Day joke. Uh, all four boys on the stairs upstairs were required to have their shoes lined up on that child only step. Mm -hmm. And they had to be shined and immaculate. And every morning on April the 1st, we would wake up and he would have changed the shoes around. Mm -hmm. And we fell for it every year because yeah. my father was not known for his jokes. Uh, he's a great guy. Everybody loves him. He's still alive. My mother's gone. My mother always wanted me to write. And in the past few years, I've bumped into people like you and Cynthia Gaver and uh, Meg McGee, and you keep telling me, why don't you shut the hell up and write it? So. We do keep saying that, don't we? <laughs> uh, yes, you do. So, but, uh, so there was no saint action there with St. Timothy. Catholic names, yeah. um, and my mother prevailed there because my, fa my father had, um, uh, he didn't have literary aspersions like I do, but he had, he had uh, uh, high class aspirations, mm -hmm. and he wanted to name the boys, because he knew he was going to have boys, <laughs> Aloysius or Poindexter. <laughs> Aren't well, you lucky to... Yeah, well, you yeah. being as literate as you are, you know that those names are just... Also, Heathcliff. He, he loved Heathcliff. Whoa. That might have uh, changed your life. Cle he, you know who Heathcliff is, right? The well, Wuthering Heights. <clears throat> oh, very so, sexy, you know, very it was evil. Just Daniel, Timothy, Peter, Michael, Sheila, Bridget. Um, so, and here you are, our Tim. So, we were all supposed to grow up to be uh, the most revered, highly educated, as smart as mama boys. My mother 
kind of glory board when she died six years ago that took up almost a whole room at Brooks. Yeah. Uh, she had more national science and this award and that award, and then she did what all of you, many of you good women did, and uh, raised children and started being mm-hmm. smart. But Sometimes it, it, they smart. don't; they're not mutually exclusive. Right. To, trust me. Right. <laughs> uh. So this, this—I uh, am in shock. I read Sylvia Plath in nineteen. I'm so excited. We have already shocked somebody. Ah, in nineteen sixty-eight or sixty-nine, when I was supposed to be reading Macbeth, which is pretty yeah. cool too. Very cool. I read it the second. Yeah. Year. I had a Jesuit that told us all the dirty parts. I'm thrilled. I, I, I'm very, I'm very excited that I could introduce you to Sylvia's poem. <laughs> Better not, Timothy. I'll feel responsible. And you are. Then you are for sure Pat in here, definitely. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, I know that there are some areas of the world because I come from one too, where you have to have two names. You know, you just can't have one name all by itself. But you're, you're in the Poe room, and we'll call him Ed, won't we? <laughs> um, okay, and we have come to. Oh. I, I don't think I have it spelled right. It looks wrong to me there. Well, I spell it that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Rosalind, yeah, okay, yeah. Rosalind, oh, I got it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We have to talk at some point because I... Uh, uh, feminist whose name was Elaine Hedges, who I taught with for many years, died not too long ago. She had, had posited the theory that women don't write about flowers anymore. And so I immediately thought of roses. I mean, they are so tough. And they can inflict pain. And they are gorgeous. And, and they can grow when it's snowing. And uh, man, they are serious flowers. And Oh my. Oh, I've got little chills going. Mm-mm. Wow. And so it goes. Wow. Rosalind. And you are. My name is Gail. Uh-huh, yeah. Yep. Biblical. Yeah. Just now I looked it up and, and it said that it means a father's joy, the gale. Delightful. Father's, father's joy. joy. I was like, wow, that's a true thing. Yeah. I, I never really knew where yeah. the 
Yeah. Do you, uh, just out of curiosity, do you spell, spell it either yeah, of those? Yeah, I have a lot of problems with that, but yeah, the first one is right. Right. People spell it all kinds of ways. Yeah, and that's the one that's, uh, that, that's, that's from Abigail, which, as you know, is biblical, yeah, too. Yeah, that one, that one knows yeah. my mother's name. Excellent. And then, uh, my family's Caribbean. Uh-huh. And they used to pronounce her name Evelyn. Yeah. So, um, and then her name was interesting because her first name was Francis. My father's last name was Francis, so her name was Francis Evelyn Francis. Wow. But she went by Evelyn. Yeah. So, that's it. I, I, one of the things I really wished I had was a nickname. I really wanted one so badly. And I, oh. I was G, but nobody yeah. G. Yeah. And then stick. Yeah. It's funny about how some names stick forever with no rhyme or reason to it, and others don't. I always wanted a nickname, too. Oh, I can, so I sympathize. And you are? Mm-hmm. Isn't it magic? Yeah. And it's the moon personified. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. There are a lot of 17th century poems addressed to you, Cynthia, because of, of the, the moon meaning. Isn't that wonderful? It's beautiful. And you are? Russian prostitutes and Tomb Raider, but... Um, <laughs> What's not to love? My name is Laura. Um, and I guess my dad's family always called me Laura, and my mom's family always called me Lara, and my ah. sister is Laura. And, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I just made that terrible noise. Say, say after Lara. Oh, um, my dad always said I was named after my great-aunt Danny. Yeah. Oh. So go figure. No, I wasn't. Right. Yeah. So I want to know where the Russian prostitutes come in. Right. Well, um, I mean, I suppose if you Google my name, um, that's pretty much what you get. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Who'd have thunk it? I'm so interested in that. Yeah, so it's L-A-R-A. Oh, Lara. As in Lara's theme. From uh, Dr. Zhivago. Before your time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great name. But I was, uh, yeah. Lara, I have to, to check that out further. Yeah. And you are? My name's Karen. And how do you spell Karen? K-A-R-E. Oh, the, the, the regular way. I have just been... <laughs> Dealing with a, a Karen who has Y's all over the place, you know, Y N and yeah, which is cute. Whatever. So, do you have any associations with your name you'd like to share with us? Well, um, recently I picked up nickname I had two sisters, and they all had nicknames. Speaking to me, I said, 
Yeah. So it just came to you. That's excellent. And it must it must have seemed appropriate to people, so it stuck. Um, yeah, not too many people call me pumpkin. Good. But most of the time when I introduce myself, it's pumpkin. Yeah. yeah. So you've got a whole variety of names. Do you have different personalities that you think go with your different names, just, just like Rochelle does? Everybody else but me know that? I didn't know that. She's the least Karen-like person. I guess it's just we're so used to thinking of her as Whoopi. She spelled her name as C-A-R-Y. Yeah. That's so interesting. See, that, that's one of the great things. I learned so much. Oh, wow. Okay, and you are? Um, my name is Mon Michelle. You're going to um, spell that for me, I bet you. Oh, oh. My dad's name was Montel. Yeah. And around when I was born, there was a soap called Moonshell. Yeah. And they were advertising Oh, I remember that. And my aunt yeah. spotted it on TV, and she's like, you should name her that. And it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I got my name. Yeah. Um, and I've had lots of nicknames over the years. It's been like Manchi or Chi yeah. or Manchichi because there was a whole cartoon mm-hmm. of Manchichis. Um, I didn't know what it meant for a long time, but once I was talking to one of my friends and he was really into languages and linguistics. Mm-hmm. So he sat looking through databases mm-hmm. trying to figure out what it meant. And the closest meaning he could find was small mouth. And we didn't know what exactly that meant. And so right after he found it, he just went, hi, Hilly. Uh And I was really annoyed. (laughs) I reckon so. But um, that's my name. Great. Okay, so now we have some names to call each other by. And they're also names that you've been called by all your entire lives, or versions thereof, I assume. So they are sounds that have tracked you, uh, you know, as, as long as you've been around, and probably you've heard them screamed, like when, when well, I mean, I, it was great to be, to hear da-da-da from the alley when, when I was playing in the alley, because I grew up when you could play in the alley, and it was where you played all day and all night, practically. Um, but I knew that was Clorinda, because, you know, Clorinda, all I had to do was hear that, that sound, and, you know, I knew it wasn't. Pat, you know that was a whole different sound. But uh, some of us have better names for yelling than others. But we have heard those names yelled or whispered, or you know, our entire lives. And I can't help but think it, you know, it has an effect on our psyche. But back to you. You can also do the same thing with your own name if you're in the mood. Um, let's think for a minute of sounds that to you actually do have a meaning. 
um, they probably are sounds that have meaning to all of us. And see about maybe writing a few sentences or just a few words that make use of that same noise. But you could also, if you're a person who's always had associations with the noise of your own name, you could also do that. Um, we won't even point out that one of the drawbacks with Ricky is that it does rhyme with icky, but I'm sure that never tormented you. Yeah. 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 It, it, it had to happen, didn't it, Michelle? Yes. Huh? Yeah. Which was a yeah. True. We got a lot of a lot of sounds to go with a lot of names. But for a minute, let's just think about sounds which do have a verbal, expressible verbal meaning for you, and maybe for the rest of us too. Can you think of anything else that says, I don't know, as sort of universally, at least for people that speak English, uh, translatable as a sound as a sound as ew or ooh. Can you think of any others? Are there any others? And that's, but isn't that a version of ooh? Because if you said to somebody, which is, which is great, I mean, it's just a, an extension. Uh, so, okay, we'll, we'll add ooh la la. Because what do you think la la does to ooh? How does that change it? I mean, it makes it sound French, but... Happy. Huh? Happy. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Playful. Right, the la-la really does, does make it playful. Well, la-la is usually associated like when uh, a little girl is skipping... Yeah, home, yeah. Skipping down the street and la-la-la-la-la. Right. It, gives it, it, it makes it into a little song, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And it, may, it intensifies how complimentary it is because if I said... Ooh, I love your shoes. Shoes, mm, that's got an ooh sound in it too. If I said, ooh la la, your shoes, I am mad for your shoes. You better not leave them lying under the table. I mean, you know, it's, it's so, it intensifies it so strongly. Isn't it also a little bit flirty? Almost, yeah. Okay, so that's, that's a good one. Any other sounds that for you or maybe anybody else you think have meaning? Yeah, and wait a minute, don't let me call you yell. Rosalind. Yeah. Oh, I want to leave the name thing up here. What am I going to do? I know. Ha <laughs> ha. Break out the whole other thing. Okay. Okay, so we've got ooh la la. We've got what Rosalind just said, which was oops. Yeah, notice that they, they do all seem to <laughs> demand exclamation points, don't they? Any others? Now, okay. Okay, now I've got a question here. Is there a distinction between hmm and hmm? I can't, I can't, I don't hear myself making a distinction, but in my head there's, in my mind there's a distinction. You think so? Okay, but it would be interesting to write something that had both of those ohms in it, wouldn't it? Because they would have a, a, definitely a different meaning. Akko, with your multiple languages, can you think of, and I'm sure you can, words that contain, I mean sounds that contain 
distinctive meanings in other languages. Like I was always surprised to know that Chinese dogs say "wang wang." They really do. I mean, I've I've seen I've talked to Chinese people about it, and they say, "Yeah, that's how it transliterates the the dog bark." Huh? Instead of meow, they say "nyan." Oh wow! Like Japanese cats, they have a nyan cat. Oh. Oh my heart. Oh. Oh. Yeah, we could we could spend ages on animal noises. I'm sorry, Akko. Z-U-T? Yeah, and, and I, I love the way you're saying it because I've always just said zut. But I've been told that if you are... Now, this may not be true um, for every place, but I've been told by Parisians, and you, I never trust exactly what they're going to say because it's always about making you feel bad about whatever you thought. But I was told that it's, it's stronger to say zut, which actually doesn't really mean anything... I mean, people will look, whereas if you say merd, which means shit, it's, you know, fine, you know, whatever. They're perfectly polite, but zut is really strong. That's, that's an interesting one because it's, I guess, to our ears, interesting and foreign, but doesn't have that kind of connotation that, you know. I'm so sad. Oh, excellent. I'm spelling it different. W H E W. Oh, oh. Is this is this a little bit close? W H O O E. W H E W, and then it's the W. Like woo wee, like when you want to roller coaster. Yeah. Woo wee. Right, and I'm I'm trying to spell it all different ways, but it is true that I uh, a f- a very interesting, fairly well known language scholar at Hopkins, who I was supposed to interview for an article for the Sun, and we spent the entire time, the entire interview, debating about what various birds say and how to spell it. <laughs> And because it was Christmas, we were talking about penguins. I don't know what penguins say, but he was very serious on the subject of how to spell penguin sounds. But so I think we were talking about the same thing. Wooey, yeah, sure. That 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 double gasp. Tim, how do you write a whistle? Cartoonists try, but they don't succeed, right. do they? Right. No. To like so they just have to have a thought balloon with little notes in it, right? Yeah. Did you know yeah. That? Can't spell it. I think it's the Cornell lab of ornithology. I think it's the one where you can actually uh, play bird sounds. Yeah. Well, I hate to say the T word, but tweet, I mean, is also what birds supposedly say. Yeah. (laughs) And chirp is supposed to be what birds say. Great. I was hoping that was going to come up. Oh, oh, okay. But see, I wanted, oh well, my little, my little plan. Well, actually, I think we know each other's names by now. We don't need that. Okay. Um, okay, others? What is it? Ooh. 
Where? Oh my God! It's it's because it's getting so popular now, and I, it's one of these long words that you don't you know you don't keep it. But they're actually coming out with like a little book with how to spell sound. And I actually found it Where? online. Got to tell us. Found it online, and because it's used for cartoons, it has a cartoon. Um, and if you don't look at it, if you don't read the details closely, you would mistake it as a as, as a cartoon book. But it's actually a book that ha that features a lot of the sounds that are in found in comics. And I was online, and I um, think I typed in like animal sounds or something up, and it came up with ooh ah ah ah. It, I think that's the sound that the monkey makes, and I said yeah. okay. And when you look at it. You automatically pick it up and say, "Yeah, that's, the that's it." That a monkey makes without even having that detailed rope on yeah. the bottom. It was very instrumental. That is fantastic. Yeah. Look, here we. I just I, I just wrote ooh ah ah ah, but I wish there was some way to sort of mm -hmm. make sure that you don't carry the sounds like ooh ah ah ah. It's not that at all. It's ooh ah ah ah. This is just two. A, it's another A. It's almost like ah, like you, like you say in the doctor's office. Mm -mm. No. It's an A-A-H. Ah, uh, okay. Uh-huh. And the U is O-O. O is O-H. Yep. Yep. Excellent. Okay, so here's, a, here's a, a, an embarrassing situation here that just arose. Um, it's quarter of eight. Um, and we've gotten not quite through page one of that whole big old <laughs> handout that I gave out, but I, di I really did think it was important for us to, since a lot of you are recidivists and you're going to be back again, for us to start knowing each other's names. But I also think it's important to start thinking about what we have been called all our life is actually a call. I mean, it's, it's how we are called. It's not just our name, it is how we are called. And, you know, it's a sound that has had an effect on us all our lives. But sounds have affected us all our lives. What I hope you'll do, or some of you will do, because obviously this, doesn't, this is not a homework situation, but I hope what you will do is write a few lines that you'll be willing to share with us next Wednesday where you are making conscious use of, of sounds, of the sounds that you hear around you, maybe just sounds that you have heard and been affected by. There's a bunch of poems in here that are simply about being at an actual sound experience, a musical experience. That's a, that's a great thing to try to make your own poem sound like as well. Um, it doesn't have to be a poem. I mean, if you write a couple of words next to each other on a piece of paper long enough to get it in here and share it with us, that would be great. And I, I did want to start off with us thinking about sounds, not thinking about writing so much, not thinking about uh, even the intellectual process that, of course, is very much part of, of writing and reading a poem, but just thinking about the joyful or miserable or awkward or uncomfortable, uh, good or bad noise that this one thing we have to make poems out of, which is words, do actually make. So I talked right over somebody's hand that was right, it was up and it was right over here. Oh, I'm sorry, yes ma'am. Um, I was writing uh, something, a uh, poem today on um, hair. Yeah. And it looked like cotton. 
Uh, and I said, what am I supposed to do? How can I do this? Hmm. Yeah. Now, the hmm, mm -hmm. is that a tone? Is that a sound? Yeah. Sound? Yeah, and it's a sound that we know what it means, don't we? It means I'm a little stumped here, but I'm thinking. Isn't that the sound of thinking? Hmm, or huh. Yeah, and they're, they're, we, we were just making two different versions of it anyway. But yeah, that would be great. But I'm also thinking, you said that the, um, the hair was like cotton. It was like cotton. It was four feet yeah. tall. Wow. And it just stand up. Wow. And the only thing I could think to do was use a lawnmower, treat it like it was grass, yeah. use a lawnmower to go through it. Because I thought if I touched it, I yeah. might cut my hand. Yeah. Wow. Now you've got me saying, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Write that down. But include the hum. Yeah, definitely include the hum. Yeah, Carleen. And you're Cynthia, right? Do you want us to think of a, of a word, I mean, of a, a sound within a word or, or separate? Like, I'm just thinking like the word zoom mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't think Zoom without also thinking, yeah, yeah forward motion. Yeah, I hate to say it, but whichever. I mean, there's all different ways to approach it. I just, I just was hoping that people were going to think about sounds. The sounds that words make, the sounds that birds make, uh, the sounds that, that are around us, the sounds that we wish would go away, the sounds that haunt us. Last night, I live 10 blocks from that piece of uh, railroad track that's exposed at 26th Street. Mm -hmm. But I, I heard more trains. And was it, were they in my head? But there were trains going all last night. There couldn't have been that many trains. Yes, but you think? Yes. But what mm -hmm. I mean is that's the sound I want to write about because it brought so many associations. And it was, it's a wonderful sound. And it's a sad sound. And it's, you know a bluesy sound and it's a it's a wonderful sound so you know sounds that are around ambient sound the sound of your own name is as around as any sound will be so um you know see what you come up with you don't have to come up with anything there's no i don't think there's a admission of coming up with something but see if you do that would be great and we'll we'll take some time at the beginning and and listen to your sound okay so and if you don't mind um I mean, I hate to ask you to this. Would you awfully much mind bringing those handouts back? Because there's some stuff in there that I can also use for next week when we're talking more about um, some of the traditional forms with their rules and how to break them. But these poems do that too. Okay, so would you, if you don't mind bringing those back, if you forget them, don't worry about it. Are you saying leave them or bring them No, bring them back. Or would you rather leave them? Is that, does that make more sense? Yeah, feel free to do that.